on today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, Amos and Seth return with Jessica in a really awesome Cabot Cove episode where somebody has poisoned the strawberry preserves. But who and why? Boy, oh boy, is this such a fun episode. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Murder She Wrote podcast where I watched every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show Murder She Wrote starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 14, Keep the Home Fries Burning. Air date January 19th, 1986. Description on IMDb reads, Poison Strawberry Preserves served the Joshua Peabody Inn. Result in murder. Ha 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 as always, I spoil everything there is to spoil about the episode, the murder of the suspects, everything in between. So if you're not recently seen this episode either on Hallmark Channel or you own the DVDs like I do, get out your season two disc set, insert disc four into your DVD player. This is the second episode on that disc. If you don't own the DVDs, you can watch the episode for free because all 12 seasons are currently streaming on NBC's Peacock app. As well as all 12 seasons are currently streaming on the Roku channel, along with the four TV movies that preceded Murder, She Wrote, when it ended in 1996. Seasons 1 through 5 are currently streaming on Freebie, formerly IMDBTV app. I have a lot to say about this episode, and I realize I'm having like a deja vu feeling. Like I said before, it's been a year, and episodes that are coming up, uh, Power Keg and Murder Cathedral, um, I remember those were the last two episodes I did on YouTube, I think, and I'm going to be doing a double because because they're not the greatest episodes in season two, I remember. But I can't remember why. But I just remember that I wasn't a huge fan of them. So, definitely um, going to be doing like a double episode in the next episode. Alright, so i got a lot to say about Keep the home fries burning, which reminds me of that Alabama song. Keep the home fires burning. Yeah, that's the only part of the song I know. But I get what they're trying to say, even though it has nothing to do with the plot of the episode. Keep the home fries burning is, you know, like a restaurant thing, I guess. So, I know that there has got to be somebody out there, some really awesome fan who has basically, I don't know, drew a map or listed everything that is supposed to be in Cabot Cove. Because I'm not good at geometry, never have been, um, 
But I can honestly say that Cabico is supposed to be a small town, right? Well, in this particular episode, a new building pops up, and that's the Joshua Peabody Inn. We also learn of Dixon's Diner, which according to several things of dialogue, is the only Dixon's Diner was the only place to eat in Cabot Cove. This makes no sense because I particularly remember some sort of diner being mentioned, not Dixon's Diner in the book series, but I also remember Amos coming out of a fish restaurant in an episode of season one. I can't remember what the name of that episode was. Um... So now this restaurant has popped up. It's called the Joshua Peabody Inn. It's supposed to be off of the freeway. And right before you get into Cabot Cove. Um, which in this first season, we find out that most people go to Cabot Cove via a train or a boat. But now there's a highway in this episode so i am a little confused but i digress and move on because i'm not gonna try to figure that out okay so at this point i'm just not gonna try to figure that out um but the joshua peabody inn for those who maybe you might not remember the whole legend of joshua peabody was introduced in season two episode two joshua peabody died here possibly He's supposedly supposed to have been this war hero who fought in the Battle of Cabot Cove. Seth maintains that he is just a myth, a legend, and there's no concrete proof that he ever existed. But Amos insists that he has. Whether or not this is ever resolved in 12 seasons, I don't know. But this is the second time that Joshua Peabody is mentioned. And it's funny that the Joshua Peabody Society is not there. But I'm guessing that this restaurant's been around for a while. According to the trivia on IMDb, the restaurant and parking lot was used in exterior shots for the Rockford Files. But I've never really seen the Rockford Files, so I couldn't tell you if it's accurate. Um, but I'm guessing that this restaurant's been here for a while, although they don't particularly say why or how long it's been there um but another thing is i don't understand why it's called the joshua peabody inn why isn't it called the joshua peabody restaurant because it seems as if that's the only thing that people are going to you know when they go to this place that seems like they're just eating they're not sleeping and in and you know is a motel so, I don't know. So, as the episode starts, we're at Dixon's Diner, which is somewhere in Cabot Cove. Now, I have seen multiple episodes up to this point, and I have never, like, Dixon's Diner has never been mentioned by Jessica or anyone. Whenever anyone has come to town, they said, oh, I had a great dinner at that fish restaurant by the by the docks so again no one's ever mentioned dixon's diner which i don't understand but dixon's is completely abandoned sheriff tupper's outside uh putting something in the mailbox 
And the owner of the diner, whose last name is Dixon, I think his first name is Bo. Bo Dixon? Yeah. Comes out asking if if the sheriff is going to come in and dine in his restaurant. And Amos says, oh no, I'm going over to the Joshua Peabody Inn. And Dixon's really upset and Amos just sort of drives away. Also in this episode, it's revealed that Amos is still sheriff, despite in the Sticks and Stones episode, he was retiring and Harry became sheriff, but then turned out to be a murderer. And I guess Amos got the job back, but there's no reference whatsoever to that episode. Um, so I don't know exactly what happened there. So, Jessica and Seth decide to go eat breakfast at the Joshua Peabody Inn. Jessica says that she already had breakfast, but he claims that he knows her breakfast is not healthy. Just dry toast and some oatmeal. And he says, besides, this is Amos's hotline, so we should go. So as they show up, we get introduced to our key players. We get introduced to Wilhelmina Frazier and her best friend, Bedley Fiddler. They're on a trip from Seattle and decide to pick this particular restaurant to be able to go. We then get introduced to Mercer Hartthorne and Ebenezer McEmory, who are not happy with each other um, and are arguing but decide to have breakfast together anyway to disclose what the other knows about each other. I don't know. This plot virtually goes nowhere. Um, and we get introduced to the O'Connor family, but they unfortunately, um, a really nice black family, um, unfortunately, they have nothing to do with the plot, and I really wanted them to be involved because of what happens to them, but we'll get there. We'll get there. But these are, like, the key players on, in what's about to happen. So, they sit down to eat, and they're making fun of Betty and Wilhelmina are, are making fun of, like, the, the, the menu like the eggs, Benedict Arnold, the just like hilarious little menu items like that. And Betty decides to get the Benedict Arnold, the eggs, Benedict Arnold, and um, decides to get homemade, the homemade strawberry preserves. Wilhelmina gives Betty the eye and she says, hey, it's my vacation. I'm allowed to pig out. Meanwhile, at Jessica and Seth's table, um, Amos sits down and asks if he can have breakfast with them. They say yes, and he apparently orders a big breakfast. Another traveling couple, couple come in. I don't know their names. Their names are never mentioned. Come in, and they are end up sitting at a table with somebody with two extras who have no lines. And... Eventually, the fun begins. So, at the end of the meal, like it's winding down, um, 
the travel couple ask for their ETA on the toast, which is estimated time of arrival. They seem to have, like, I don't know, plan everything out, like every detail, and was like, when is the ETA on the toast? So then we cut to the kitchen, and we get introduced to the owner of this place, uh, Floyd Nelson, and the chef, Alan Dupree. Alan is drinking rapidly, and and appears to not want to work as the chef there at one point. And I really didn't understand this part because, like, even though he clearly doesn't want to do the job, the food is rolling out and people like it. Um, there is another chef back there, and I think his name is Ted, and he cuts his hand and is sent home early. Because there's a Gary Crosby credited as Ted, and I can't remember who that was, even though I just watched the episode. I'm, like, completely blanking on who this person was. Um, so I'm thinking he's the chef that went home. But anyway, or he could could have been one of the diners, but he wasn't affected by anything. So anyway, he doesn't want to do the job. He even put cinnamon on top in, top in an omelet. But we see several dishes that have already been prepared. And the waitress, trying to see if I can say her name. It's a weird cal calliope, something like that. Um... She ends up taking the strawberry preserves um, and mar marmalade off of the travel couple couple's table and puts it on Wilhelmina's table and Betty's table. Eventually, Wilhelmina goes to the restroom and Amos asks her if he can have the strawberry preserves and the marmalade. When he gets it... Um, he takes a big uh, bunch of marmalade and puts it on what I assume is a piece of toast or a biscuit. And Seth says, after all that you've eaten, do you really think you need that? And he was like, hey, Doc, it's brain food. Like, his, like, like that's his defense for everything. That's going to be my defense for everything. It's brain food. Um, so the waitress comes and she takes the preserves off of Amos's table and puts them on Hawthorne and Ebenezer's table. Hawthorne takes a bunch of the strawberry preserves and puts them on his biscuit. Then the waitress takes the preserves off their table and puts it on the O'Connor's table. And their, the, the son puts a bunch of strawberry preserves on his piece of toast. Then Dixon shows up and it's revealed that the waitress used to work for him. And she says, I have to go where the tip goes, where the tips go. And he said, well, give me a hamburger. And she tells him which kind, look at the menu. And he says, just a regular hamburger. And when she brings him his hamburger, she ends up putting the, the preserves on the table next to him. Eventually, everyone has finished their dinner. 
Um, Jessica insists on paying because Seth said he was going to pay because he lost at chess, but she was like, no, I insist. Amos says that since he's the sheriff, his is on the house. And everybody is about to leave. Um, when Betty is about to go out the door, uh, Wilhelmina goes and says she wants to give the waitress a nice tip because she forgot to or something. Well, Mr. O'Connor comes in the door and says and asks for a doctor. Something's wrong with his son. As he goes outside to attend to him, he has fallen to the floor and he's clenching his stomach. Um, it seems that something is wrong with Wilhelmina, something's wrong with Betty, something's wrong with Hawthorne. And Seth is, like, bouncing from one person to the next. Floyd comes out and asks what's going on. And Seth tells him to shut down the whole restaurant and to get everybody out. Everybody comes outside. Betty ends up dying while everybody else is taken to the hospital. Immediately, a health inspector comes to the hospital. Her, her name is Margot Perry. She's played by Anne Francis, who appeared in the pilot movie, The Death of Sherlock Holmes. Um, and she also guest starred on The Golden Girls as Trudy, Dorothy's uh, best friend from high school. They pull pranks on each other. I love The Golden Girls connections, you all. Just love them. Um, and she's in this and she is hilarious. She shows up and immediately wants to talk to, to Amos and to Seth and Jessica's there too. And she goes, Oh good. The media, we need it. And, uh, Jessica says, well, no, I write mystery novels. And she goes, relevance. Like why, why is she here? Mrs. Fletcher is a very good observer and notices everything that other people don't. And she says, okay, sure, fine. So they go into a room to talk and uh, Miss Perry says, we have to talk to the media. And uh, Amos says, oh yeah, we got all kinds, but none local. And she goes, you have no TV stations here? And he says, uh, no. She says, okay, well, the first thing is we have to return to the restaurant and basically test everything there. So they go back to the restaurant and as she's going through, like she says, test the syrup, test the mustard, test uh, the buns, the sausage. And Amos goes, I had some of that. I had some of that too. Well, Jessica notices right away that the jar of strawberry preserves is missing. And she says, oh, Miss Perry, you should know that, that this holder had two jars in it and one's missing. And uh, Miss Perry says, I'm so sorry. Mrs. Fletcher, was it? I deal with what is here, not with what is not here. That's what I'm focusing on. And she says, and quite frankly, I don't want to deal with the town crier or something like that. And Jessica says, uh, what? She says, there's one in every town. 
Someone who's always making something out of nothing. Jessica seems offended, as she should be. Um, so, as they go back, at first Seth says that the symptoms seem to point to botulism, which I think is like poison. I'm not going to look it up. But I'm, I'm assuming that's what that is. Um, or, well, not poison, but something similar to it. But he's not sure. If he can pinpoint exactly what everyone ate, then they'd be able to know. Jessica suggests that it had to have been the strawberry preserve, since it's the one thing in the restaurant that's missing. Eventually... She interviews everyone, including Philomena, and they determine that that is what everyone ate, was the strawberry preserves. Meanwhile, we get introduced to Harris Fraser, Wilhelmina's husband. He comes wondering if his wife and her best friend, Betty, are okay. Seth basically tells them that Wilhelmina had a minor case and that she will be fine. He seems okay with that. Has no emotion whatsoever. Then Seth tells him that he, that Betty is dead, and he ends up crying and almost passing out. Jessica has to console him and make sure that he's okay. Hmm. Meanwhile, all the tests come back. Nothing in the restaurant had any poison in it. Seth basically has come up with the conclusion that it wasn't botulism, but another pill entirely, meaning poison. I can't pronounce the name of the pill, I'm sorry. Um, so, he says that it was murder, not food poisoning. Meaning, poor Miss Perry has virtually nothing to do. And she says, I deal in health-related issues, not murder, so you won't be needing me. And she even at one point says, I'm a scientist, not a waitress. When talking to Mrs. Fletcher in the restaurant when they're testing stuff. And I just love her. She's just so funny. Um, so they determined that the one common denominator is the strawberry preserves. At first, Miss Perry wants to, wants to um, investigate the woman who makes them. Jessica explains that it's a woman who makes them out of her kitchen. And I forget her name, but she's like, you people allow someone to make strawberry preserves in their kitchen and sell them out of her home? And uh, Jessica says, oh, please don't shut her down. It's her only form, form of income. She's like, I really don't understand this town. Meanwhile, Jessica decides to go back to Dixon's diner to get to the bottom of who actually, like, who was sitting at the table with the strawberry preserves where they were missing. The waitress, who is now working back at Dixon's diner, says that it was Dixon who had sit down and that he ran out of the restaurant and left everything at his table and that he shouldn't have had time to take the strawberry preserves. So when Jessica tells Amos and Seth this, 
Amos says, well, then it has to be Dixon. I mean, all his customers went to the Joshua Peabody Inn. So it stands to reason that that could be what had happened. Amos thinks that it's him. And Jessica's like, well, that's not true. And he says, well, you know what they say. If Sheriff Tupper goes, so does Cabot Cove. And Seth goes, who in the world says that? He says, people, at least about food and restaurants. And he walks away. Jessica turns to Seth and says, I must be running in the wrong circles. I don't remember them saying that. Meanwhile, Jessica goes back to the restaurant and is helping Floyd clean up all the plates and stuff that's been left behind. She asks if anyone stood to gain or if he had any enemies. He talks about Mr. Dupree and how Mr. Dupree desperately wanted out of his contract and did not want to work there because he is related to a famous French chef. They say his name, but it's really not important. Um, and Jessica decides to get to the bottom of that. Meanwhile, at the hospital, um, Hawthorne has recovered, and he says that Ebenezer is the one that poisoned him. So Seth brings in Ebenezer and Dixon and puts them in the jail cells in the back of the jail. Jessica shows up, and she goes, honestly, Amos... Why do you think it's them? He's like, well, Dixon had a lot of motive and he ends up letting them go. Well, after they leave, the chef is brought in. Um, and I don't know if there was like a scene before that established that they were after him because he comes in and he has cuffs on. Well, he sits down and Jessica mentions that she went to France with Frank and she was able to have an exquisite dish in French that I can't pronounce for you. Sorry again. And she like talks about how um, how it's prepared and everything. And um, he says, oh, yes, with sauce and white sauce and meat. And she says, no, you're not a very good chef, are you? And apparently it skips a generation because his, his father and grandfather were great chefs, but he unfortunately is not. He said, yes, I wanted out of my contract, but I didn't poison everyone. He says, Mr. Dixon was hanging out in the kitchen looking around. And some sharp-dressed guy looking out into the, into the dining area looking at people. I've never seen him before. And so Amos says, oh yeah, I've, I've heard way better stories. And Jessica says, well, if you saw him again, could you identify him? As if on cue, here comes Mr. Fraser back in. He says, Sheriff, somebody put a ticket on my Roy's, Rose Royce. And Mr. Dupree says, that's him. That's the guy that was hanging out in the kitchen. And he says, I beg your pardon. He says, it was you. 
You were looking in at the dining area, watching someone. It was you. And he says, I'm sorry, but you're sadly mistaken. And Jessica says, is he really, Mr. Fraser? You know what I find to be very interesting? You heard that your, your wife had a minor case and could have died from the poison, but you, but you had no reaction. But you seem to be really upset when you found out that her best friend, Bedley Fiddler, had died. I wonder why that is. And Mr. Fraser refused to answer any of the questions. He gives Seth, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Amos, sorry, Amos, money for the ticket and says this ought to cover it. And as he's going out the door, Jessica says, just one more thing, Mr. Fraser. We don't have many Rose Royces in Cabot Cove. It'll be easy to check if that car was anywhere near the Joshua Peabody Inn. Later that night, Jessica is trying to write her book, but she doesn't like what she's written, and she crumbles it up and throws it on the floor. She then goes into the living room to look at a book when there's a knock at the door. It's Mr. Fraser. Mr. Fraser comes in and says that he wanted to tell Jessica because she seems like a sensible person, unlike that Sheriff Tupper. Jessica says, well, he's very thorough. <laughs> I don't know if this is supposed to be a joke or not. I don't know. Anyway, Mr. Fraser admits that him and Betty have been having an affair for several years and that Betty, it was Betty's idea to do this final trip to remember what it was like when they were in high school because they've known each other their whole lives. And Betty wanted him to tell Wilhelmina about the affair when they got back. Fraser tracked them down and was able to talk to Betty at the restaurant when she excused herself to go to the bathroom because she saw him from their table. I don't see how that's possible unless she has perfect eyesight. Um, but they talked and she insisted that he tell Wilhelmina about the affair and she wasn't going to drop it. And he decided to go home to prepare. He was halfway to Seattle when he heard on the radio about the poisoning and made a beeline back. Jessica wants him to tell Sheriff Tupper, but he refuses and says that he'll have his lawyer do the talking because he doesn't want his wife to know. Because since Betty's dead, there's no reason to tell her now, right? Okay. So at this point, Jessica is stumped, as is the audience. Seth has, a, has administrated an antidote, and everyone seems to be going, responding very well to, to it. The O'Connor kid has recovered and everything is going well with them, although we do not see them on screen. Why? I don't know. Um, so, Jessica goes to Dixon's diner in the last-ditch effort to figure out what happened to the strawberry preserves that were on Dixon's table. Dixon doesn't seem to know, nor does he seem to care. And then Miss Perry's there. She has gotten lunch at the diner. 
And she says, I love diners. You always, there's no surprises and the food is always good. And she turns to the waitress and she says, I put your tip on my credit card. And Jessica goes, what did you just say? And she says, I put her tip on my credit card. And she says, well, yes, of course you did, as everybody does nowadays. Excuse me. And she runs out. And Miss Perry says, wow, she really shouldn't spend too much time in this place, in this town. Jessica gets on her bike and rides to the Joshua Peabody Inn. And knocks on the window and Floyd lets her in. She goes, I need to find a credit card receipt. And without him saying, oh yeah, sure, go ahead. She goes behind the register, finds it, and he says, what do you want that for? It's just a credit card receipt. And she says, oh Floyd, it's way more than that. So meanwhile, the travel couple has come back to Cabot Cove to get the shot. And, like, Seth is like, well, do you have symptoms? Like, are you feeling weird? Like, what's going on? And they're like, well, we deserve the shot because we had the marmalade. Or or we had the strawberry preserves or something like that. And they're not listening to Seth. Jessica comes in and she, they're like, we deserve that shot. And she goes, oh. But you weren't exposed. You're perfectly fine. Seth, I need to talk to you. <laughs> so uh, they go into Wilhelmina's room, and it turns out she is our killer. And here's what happened. So once the test came back negative in the restaurant that it was no other food, the poison had to have started at a specific place. The strawberry reserves was on the, the travel couple. And they went from the travel couple's table to Wilhelmina and Betty's table, which meant that poison had to be introduced there. But the one thing that Wilhelmina did not count on was the preserves leaving their table. And it was Seth that ultimately caused... I mean, not Seth. Amos. Sorry, I don't know why I keep messing up their names. But Amos was the one that ultimately caused everyone else to get sick. When he took the preserves off of Wilhelmina and Betty's table, he got some marmalade. The waitress then took it off of his table, put it on Hartthorne and Ebenezer's table, and Hartthorne got some of it. Then she took it off of their table to the O'Connor's table and then to Dixon's. She even went as far as taking some of the poison herself to make it seem as if it somehow got in there by mistake. What gave her away was the credit card receipt. She had put the waitress's tip on the credit card, but she had said she was going back to, to give her another tip. Wilhelmina knew about the affair and thought if she killed her best friend Betty, she would get Harris, her husband, back. The Joshua Peabody eventually, the franchiser pulls out. Floyd is leaving town to go head off another restaurant. 
and stuff and still insist that Joshua Peabody is a myth. And that's the end of the episode. Okay, so I have so many questions. Alright, so, if Wilhelmina knew about the affair, why kill her best friend? Also, if Betty and Wilhelmina's husband are having an affair, why not just tell her, divorce her, and go and be together? Why stay with her? It makes no sense to me. And did she honestly think if she killed her best friend, her husband was going to be like, yeah, I can't have her anymore, I want to be with you. Like, I don't understand. And of course, this is, fits with the theme of the last episode, where the guy killed his wife. Because they had only been married a month, and she apparently had all the money, and he wanted the money. And decided to kill her. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, make your own money. Why do you need her money? And then, you know, why go through all that trouble? I mean, obviously, she did not count on Amos taking the preserves and them getting passed from table to table, but she is basically going to jail for murder and attempted murder of all the people that were affected. Very interesting episode. Let's go over the guest stars. As we always do. Wilhelmina, our murderer, was played by Sharon Ecker. She is still with us. She just had a birthday on April 2nd. Happy birthday. She is known for Happy Birthday to Me. I love that movie, 1981. Point Blank, 1967, Star Trek, 1969, and Heck Ramsey. Uh, that's a TV show. Her last known credit is in 1992, I'm a Young and the Restless, as Dr. Grace Sundial. She was also on Days of Our Lives as Pamela something, from 87 to 88. This is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote. She also got started on Knight Rider, Simon & Simon, WizKids, Trapper John, M.D. Um, she was in the soap opera Texas, which everybody says is really good. I've never seen it. Um, Quincy Emmy, The Incredible Hawk. Mark and Jenny, The Great Detective, Police Story, The Rockford Files, The Love Boat, The Streets of San Francisco, Executive Suite, TV Show, Barnaby Jones, Cannon, The New Perry Mason, Marcus Welby, MD, Mod Squad, McMillan and Wife, Love American Style, The Bold Ones, The Senator, I don't know. It Takes a Thief, Get Smart, Star Trek, The Serial, Playgirl, Encounter, Playdate, sorry, and her first appearance was on camera TV show but it doesn't say what she played all right awesome I think that she should have just left her husband and her best friend alone and I really don't get what the point of Hartthorn and Ebenezer was but Hartthorn was played by Norman Alden He died in 2012 at the age of 87. 
He is known for Back to the Future in 1985 as Lou. Oh, maybe in the diner? Ed Wood, 1994, Toro, 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 1970, and The Sword in the Stone, 1963. His last known credit is Our House TV Movie. He guest starred on Jag, Rugrats, Ah Real Monsters, Evening Shade, and he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote, in 1988. Good for him. Um, Orson Bean played the role of Ebenezer. He died in 2020 at the age of 91. He is known for being John Malkovich, 1999. Interspace, 1987, The Hobbit, 1977, and Anatomy of a Murder, 1959. Um, they say that something called Frit in Bubble is in post-production that hasn't been released yet, but his last known credit is Grace and Frankie. Awesome show. He also guest starred on Superstore, Teachers, um, The Bold and Beautiful. He was in there as Howard. Uh, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Modern Family, Desperate Housewives, Hot in Cleveland, Women's Murder Club, Commander-in-Chief, Two and a Half Men, Cold Case, Behind the Camera, The Unauthorized Story of Charlie's Angels, uh, Seventh Heaven, Becker, oh, he was in Bringing Down the House, that was an interesting movie, Will and Grace, Family Law, The King of Queens, Ally McBeal, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, The Movie, and The TV Show, Ellen, Diagnosis Murder, Tiny Toon Adventures, Monsters, and he'll appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1989. He was also in The Facts of Life, so we'll go over more of his credentials then. Uh, Gary Crosby played Ted, but like I said, I can't place him. I can't remember who he was in this episode. Um, he died in 1995 at the age of 62. He's known for Girl Happy, 1965, Star Spangled Rhythm, 1942, A Private's Affair, 1959, and Hunter TV Show. His last known credit is Lady Chattery, I don't know, In the Heat of the Night, Madlock, Days of Our Lives, and this is his only episode of Murder, Road. Um, Cadney and Lacey, Simon and Simon, Rockford Files. Harvey Boy, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mystery, Wonder Woman, <laughs> as Grease, he played a person named Grease, he was in Emergency, Marcus Welby, MD, The Binomic Woman, Adam 12, Ironside, uh, The Magical World of Disney, Love, American Style, Mayberry, RFD, Julia, 
The Ben Crosby Show, Twilight Zone. So, really good. I wish I could remember him. Because I don't remember a Ted. I seriously don't. Um, Anne Francis played Miss Perry. Oh, she passed away in 2011 at the age of 80. She's known for Forbidden Planet, which I recently saw. Interesting movie. 1956. Bad Day at Black Rock. 1955. The Satin... Saturn Bug. 1965. And Honey West, a TV show. Her last credit is a TV show called Without a Trace. That was good. Fantasy Island... Remake in 1999, Drew Carey Show, Home Improvement, Wings, Fortune Hunter, Blake's Law, um, and she'll appear in one more episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1990. And of course, she was in The Golden Girls of Tree, like I said. Love that. Love that. Love her. Uh, Bo Dixon was played by William Lucking. He died in last year at the age of 80. May he rest in peace. He's known for Red Dragon, 2002. The World's Fastest Indian, 2005. The Limey, 1999. And Contraband, 2012. His last known credit is Murder in the First in 2014. He was on Switched at Birth, Sons of Anarchy, um, the Mentalist, Hustle, Smith, Cold Case, Commander-in-Chief, Night Stalker, Star Trek Enterprise, The Division, Line of Fire, Jag, The West Wing. He was in, oh yeah, he was in Aaron Brockovich, I remember. I just recently saw that. Julie Roberts totally deserved the Academy Award for that, I'm telling you guys. Um, Mike Hammer, Private Eye, TV show, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, ER. The X-Files, Pacific Blue, Walker, Texas Ranger, NYPD Blue. Oh, he will appear in four other episodes of Murder, She Wrote, 89, 90, 92, and 93. All right, we'll go over more of his guest roles then. John McCook played Fraser. Okay. John McCook, as I said, played Fraser. He's still with us, and he is known for The Bold and the Beautiful as Eric Forrester. The Young and the Restless, Magnum P.I., and Romance Theater. He's currently still playing Eric Forrester on The Bold and Beautiful currently right now, as we speak. Good for him. He was also on The Young and the Restless as that same character, as well as Lance Prentice. He did some voiceover work for The Incredible Iron Man cartoon straight-to-video. Arrested Development, The New WKRP in Cincinnati, New Heart, The New Leave it to Beaver, 
Simon and Simon, L.A. Law, Blake's Magic, New Love American Style. This is the only episode of Murder She Wrote. Hill Street Blues, Alice, Magnum P.I., Fantasy Island, Masquerade, Hotel, Family Ties, Trapper John M.D., Dynasty, Heart to Heart, Romance Theater as Ross, Three's Company, Different Strokes, Harper Valley PTA TV Show, Too Close for Comfort, The Love Boat, um, Chips, Mr. Roberts, and his first credit is No Time for Sergeants TV Show. It's nice that he's still on The Bold and Beautiful after all this time, and it's been on there since 1987. Uh, Donna P-E-S-C-O-W played the waitress. I can't pronounce her last name, so I'm just going to spell it for you all. She's still with us. She's known for Saturday Night Fever, 1977. Even Stevens TV show on Disney Channel as the mom. Out of This World TV show and Jake Speed, 1986. Uh, her last known credit is some sort of short called Orange Sherbert. And Truth Be Told, which last year she has been on The Flash. New Girl, Child of the 70s, Operation Cupcake, it's a TV movie, Cold Case, The Sopranos, Crossing Jordan, Even Stevens Movie, and TV Show, NYPD Blue, Clueless TV Show, Out of This World, um, Hotel, The Love Boat, this is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote, Mr. Belvedere, um, ooh, she was on All My Children in 1983. Fantasy Island, Trapper John M.D., uh, some show called Angie. She was on One Life to Live and General Hospital. Good for her. Um, Our Horrible Chef was played by Henry Pollock, too. He died in 2013 at the age of 68. He is known for When Things Were Rotten, 1975, Murder, She Wrote, Morgan Mindy, and Mighty Max. His last known credit is some TV movie called Combustion. Okay. He was on Profiler, Mighty Max is a cartoon series, Batman the Animated Series, as the Scarecrow, love it. Um, Tom and Jerry Kids Show, Saved by the Bell, The Golden Palace. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures cartoon series. Um, Fantastic Max, and he'll appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1989. He also did multiple voices on the Smurfs. <laughs> cool, good for him. He does seem like a guy that would have that. Uh, Betty was played by Marsha Rod, who played our murder victim. She's still alive. She's known for Little Murders, 1971, American Playhouse, Citizens Band, and Murder, She Wrote. Her last known credit is Grey's Anatomy. 
She was also on The Young and the Restless. And she will appear um, in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1988. So we'll go over more of her guest starring roles then. And last but not least, Floyd was played by Alan Young. He died in 2016 at the age of 96. He is known for Mr. Ed, the TV show, The Time Machine, 1960, DuckTales, the movie, 1990, and Mickey's Christmas Carol as Scrooge. And Scrooge did the voice for Scrooge McDuck. Which is ironic because in this episode we have a guy named Ebenezer. Isn't that hilarious? Um, apparently he's going to be, even though he died in 2016, they have yet to release his last project, which is The Time Machine. He also did the voice for Scrooge McDuck in Kingdom Hearts, the video game. Um, he was also in Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. House of Mouse, I love it, ER, Mickey Mouse Works, I don't know what that is, Zorro, The Tony Danzo Show, Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction, The Flintstones, Christmas in Bedrock, Batman the Animated Series, Beverly Hills Cop 3, a Flintstone Family Christmas. I love that. General Hospital. The Smurfs. Oh my goodness. Alvin and the Chipmunks. The new Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show. Superman and his amazing friends. Um... I think this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, I think so. But he did a lot of cartoon voices, and I love that. I think that's just amazing. Good for him. He had such a long career, and... His legacy lives on in the cartoon voices that he has done. All right. That is our last guest star for this episode. Um, sorry if this is a short one. The next one will be long because I will be covering the next two episodes together, not separately. And I will explain why as I get into them. All right. Thank you for your continued support. Happy crime solving. And I'll see you in the next one, guys.